Previously on the Crafty Beer Girls podcast. Who's Rita and what's a hose uh, monkey? Re- <laughs> <laughs> That's Great what question. I want to know. <laughs> Great question, Jenny. Rita is a girl who works in the brewery there. She also works in the tap room. Oh, see, and, you even uh, know this? Warren, uh, you know everything. <laughs> a hose monkey is essentially <laughs> what you think it might be. Somebody who just drags hoses around and... You yeah, know, you're like like it, a hired hand that just goes around. It's essentially around, the starting hoses. position okay. at a brewery. Entry yeah. level. Most people start as a hose monkey. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. It's a very important position. So if by I ever want to get into the brewing industry, I can be hired as a hose monkey. Hose monkey, it is. Sweet. Yeah. This just is go awesome. to the brewery and say, "Hey, you looking for any hose monkeys?" <laughs> and they're gonna laugh at you. I want to apply. And then you're gonna have a job on the spot. On the spot, like not even a Maybe. background check don't, or don't fingerprints you know. or anything like that. Like Maybe. Resume. Just maybe. Just probably. Okay. Sweet. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, one, one. Transmitting from Mountain West Hard Cider, located within the heart of the Marmalade District at 425 North, 400 West in Salt Lake City, Utah, this is your Crafty Beer Girls Podcast with your hosts, Jenny Schaefer and Lauren Lurch. Welcome to the Crafty Beer Girls Podcast. I'm Jenny Schaefer. Lauren is, well, she's been gallivanting around in Wisconsin the last week or so, and she's not here, but... We think she's going to come and say hello later. We don't know that, though, so don't hold me to it. (laughs) But instead of Lauren, right now I have two awesome guests. I have Mike Domowski, head brewer of Salt Fire and co-owner of Taproot Soda, which is a what organic soda company. And we also have Becky Peterson, who is one of the Hot Bombshells, one of the founding members of the Hot Bombshells, which is the female all-female homebrew club here in salt lake city so two weeks ago the hot bombshells brewed a beer at salt fire using the second annual pink boots hop blend this is the same blend used by the utah chapter of the pink boots society to brew the beer on wednesdays we wear pink boots which was brewed on international women's day that was march 8th and uh the pink boots opened that up to sales for you know other breweries you uh, i guess you had to be a brewery to buy it i think uh, you had to be like yeah commercial I think commercial brewery because I don't think like well could could hot bombshells just buy it or do they have to do it through a brewery we would have to do it through a brewery the um, local homebrew stores weren't able to buy right them. okay so yeah. yeah this was something that was for commercial use and we were able to get some of that for the hot bombshells to do a collab beer and this is actually the second time that the hot bombshells have done this they did it last year also with salt, salt fire that was the fury kolsch right Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this year we bl- rebrewed a saison called saison de femme, and I'm just curious, like, how did we decide to brew a saison? We had a meeting in February, and we had been talking about what beers we wanted to make, and we didn't want to make what's cool right now because right. part of our club has to do with education, and so we really want to, you know, bring out beers that maybe somebody else might not have had before. Right. Um, and so, you know, right now, what's really cool right now is to make a, a hazy IPA. And yeah. Everybody has one. And, <laughs> you know, it would make sense to celebrate a hop, hop blend with that. But we want to make something that, you know, kind of is different, that introduces people to different 
beer styles. Right. And so then at a meeting, we basically just brought up different ideas. And what we did was we just looked at the hop blend yeah. itself and um, and the flavors that we or that the the hops let me are supposed to be tell you what the blend is it's uh, laurel mosaic simcoe sabra and glacier i believe it's more laurel than anything else um the aroma notes that i got here are stone fruit tropical dank um i think it was pretty herbal mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah yeah the laurel seemed to bring that out quite a bit right right yeah i think the laurel is really herbal and there was a lot of that in there um so you guys the hot bombshells kind of you're talking about meetings you're talking about the hot, hot bombshells meetings like board meetings um this was a members meeting oh members so meeting. we just all went around and and you know we we read off exactly what you just said yeah and then <laughs> we all kind of said well what beer would go with it that's yeah. not a hazy, hazy ipa or not an ipa actually we we didn't want to make an ipa because that's just kind of a Everybody has those all the time. So yeah, um, and then somebody brought up a saison, and then we said, "Ooh, saisons are earthy, and yeah. they're spicy, and they're citrusy, and it just seems that this hop would actually be a really awesome IPA." Right. What did you think of that, Mike? I love saisons. Oh, sorry, saisons. <laughs> yes, saisons um, <laughs> are easily in my top three styles to brew. Mm-hmm. So it was an easy choice. Yeah. Yeah. I have to say, they've become one of my favorite styles and I actually did an article on it recently well I guess it was I don't I don't remember when it was it was last year but <laughs> I did an article on it because it was becoming such a, a favorite of mine and it didn't start out that way it's a little it's not the most approachable style in a lot of ways because it's kind of um that spiciness uh, to it yeah I think the it depends on profile. you start with right yeah yeah but it's got a lot going on and I think mm-hmm. it can be a little challenging for people for their palates so it's kind of tough but Man, the more I've tried it, the more I've loved it. It's super interesting, you know, style of beer if for sure. Your, if your palate favors wine and cider, then saison is probably something to try. Right. But most people that think about traditional beer flavors, saison is something that is a new experience for that. Right. Yeah. So we're having new experiences with the saisons. Um, I yeah, I was I was excited about it, and I think. I've had a few dry hopped saisons too that I've really liked. So I know that's mm-hmm. not traditional. Typically, a saison is not a hoppier style. But well, but actually, to style though, is um, it? I in the style guide it says it can be dry hopped. Okay. And so does it? I didn't see. I didn't know, know that. Yeah. Learned something new. Mm-hmm. Cool. There, Americans have taken over the saison style so much so <laughs> that it now is uh, <laughs> almost as diverse as the IPA category probably. Right. And so you really have to talk about fruit saisons, mixed culture oh, okay. saisons, barrel aged saisons. Uh, this, there's quite a different array of flavor within that slice of the pie. Um, and so I think it lends itself very well to a number of things, one of them being the hot blend that we Sweet. chose and everything that we were kind of interested in. Absolutely. Well, we're actually drinking one of these right now. Uh, we've got the Saison de Trezon, which is one of the line that Saltfire makes. They do a whole seasonal line of, of Saisons. This one is the Mango and Blood Orange. So that was the spring one, correct? Yeah, spring. This is uh, before the last release, so... Um, a quarter old and uh, you know it was just warming up we thought we wanted some citrus flavor something to welcome the summer in Utah mm-hmm. um, I've had very few fruited saisons with these kind of fruits 
So we right. we threw them in and see what had happened, and uh, the results I'm pleased with. Mm. Yeah, it's pretty good. The I'm thing I'm it. noticing in this beer is it has kind of a tartness at the end, mm-hmm. and saisons can have tartness, yeah. but a lot of them don't. And some I think do, it's kind don't. of fun that it's a beer that you know can be anything. Yeah. And, and so in this case, this beer I definitely taste the tartness like right at the end, and then a real dry finish. Maybe the blood orange a little bit too mm-hmm. could yeah. bring yep. that out. I yeah. would think. Because I've had some beers with blood orange that sort of seem a little tart or tangy at the Mm -hmm. end. Well, awesome. So to get back to uh, the Saison des Femmes, we, in February, we had agreed of the style. Yeah. We had the hops. Um, At that point, we scheduled a brew at Saltfire, which was on a small system. And we made wort. We split it up um, amongst the members. Right. And we tried an A, B, C, D maybe an e version so we tried multiple versions. yeah multiple versions. yeah, yeah we had five uh-huh okay mm-hmm. um yeah so the the different ones were um adding beats to the beer yeah see okay, okay. let me stop for a minute because one thing i forgot to mention is i'm i'm actually a member of the hot bombshells and so i was kind of involved in this too so if i start talking like i know things it's because i was there and i wasn't here at this meet that i was asking about the meeting that they decided the saison i wasn't there but um i've kind of been involved in this at various points and i don't remember if it was just me but i know i was pushing for beats (laughs) so because we talked about wanting to make it pink right Mm -hmm. and you know for fun and it's a women's beer it's a beer brewed by women it's the pink boots society we thought oh let's make it pink and i know that's one way that you can make a beer pink is through the beats so um and the beet beer which we'll drink later yeah we'll drink we can drink that right or what right soon yeah you want drink that um the color on it is awesome yeah it's awesome but the reason we didn't put beets in well there's two reasons one because (laughs) we found out that Two pounds of beets uh-huh. equals 200 pounds of beets on a commercial scale. Correct. <laughs> yeah. So it's a lot of work. Yeah. And in terms of what she did with the beets, she roasted them and then froze them and then thawed them and roasted them and then put them in the secondary. Yeah. And you could taste all of that roasting mm-hmm. and everything. Good. But you guys also went with uh, hibiscus. Yeah. Which was in the original test batch, correct? Yep. That was partially to make it pink or just to see how i guess you guys were going for the pink we were you, going it for didn't the pink. seem like a lot of the beers were pink except for the beet one so yeah they're they were on the kind of rose gold yeah. side i would right. say so yeah more, less pink more rose gold and i think the biggest difference the reason why is because it transferred really quickly <laughs> yeah that small scale ke- kettle whirlpool and right. rest happens really quickly and then you're transferring it to your fermenters it's not like that hour and a half two hour contact time that a commercial batch will get um, so the color was a little light. We wanted to embark some kind of really pretty pink color in the beer, but not right. by using red dye or anything right. artificial. What Definitely is a, not. What is an ingredient can do that? And one of the other problems with beets is that while most of the members like the flavor, there was a few people that didn't yeah. want that beet. Exactly. Note. Yeah. And so <laughs> thinking about the logistical challenges and the challenges of bringing something like that to market were some of the reasons we chose hibiscus. Hibiscus is another organic, easy, natural ingredient that I've used as a food coloring agent forever. And you don't get much pickup from aroma right. and flavor. It works really well. Yeah. Um, it's so, it's yeah. pretty approachable. I think a lot of people are 
stoked to drink a hibiscus beer for the yeah. most part from yeah. what i've seen you mm-hmm. put hibiscus in it people are like "Ooh, what's Ooh, that yeah <laughs> check that beer out yeah that's that's what i've found people focus so far i'm like no yeah it's not the focus we just try to make it yeah pink. we just want to make it pink <laughs> but you know the hope is that in it, a natural way it right. kind of blends nicely with that that saison well the saison but also yes. um the that hot blend that mm-hmm. we that we're using yeah and bring out more of that kind of earthy yeah earthy tones right that, were, that we really liked in the smell of the hops exactly yeah i think I'm pretty excited about that. What was the size of that when you talked about the small, the pilot size? Um, it was we made about 20, 25 gallons of okay. wort and yeah. then split it up over, you know, five fermenters. So everybody got three and a half, four okay. gallons mm-hmm. of wort. So, okay. So they weren't like full batches for each person. Right. But they were like, yeah, like you said. Uh, like 75% full yeah. for a home brewer. Um, everybody did their primary. There was a couple primaries at different uh, temperatures. Um, that were fermented, and then there was one that was dry hopped light, one that was dry hopped heavy, right? One or two with beets. Um, so then we got together, and all the members sat down and tried them, and and had a discussion about what we liked, what we didn't like about the beers, what we wanted to blend together to create the, right. the commercial batch, and then schedule the commercial batch. So that was what, three weeks ago, two weeks ago, or so. The the yeah, the commercial brew day was two weeks ago. Okay. That's when we did that, and I was actually there at the tasting that we did yeah. i didn't get to brew any of that uh pilot batch stuff i wasn't there for that but i got to come and taste all the beer and that was super fun I that thought. was one of my favorite meetings wasn't that it done it <laughs> was really cool because it was nice to have mike there where yeah you know we'd talk about flavors we're tasting and he goes yeah you know here's this is why these details why yeah. yeah why it might be like that well i yeah. think some of them uh got a had a lot of yeast character mm-hmm. and you could taste it almost like a banana kind of oh, flavor yeah. and yeah, then, so that one was the one that we brewed at i think it was 88 degrees we fermented it at mm-hmm. like super high mm-hmm, to bring out the the esters and all the yeast flavors right and we also another experiment was to ferment it at a really low temperature right. so i Which tried what to you do did. it around between 60 and 65 and even at that temperature the yeast was going crazy it was crazy. yeah was this it like crazy. so that's like a lager temperature right is it no not quite low ale it's getting close okay yeah, it's, it's it's getting close um but it's a 30 degree difference of that yeast the yeast we've been using is the french saison yeast not the uh belgian or dupont strain right um and yeah it's a monster it um so we're pouring that beet beet beer right now oh in the color it's just amazing so i want to just give a shout out to Susie for making this beer yes it's really cool one of the prettiest (laughs) beers ever if uh since nobody can see it it pours almost like a neon pink it almost looks Mm. artificial even though it came from the natural beets there's a little purple hue yeah it's kind of a purple magenta color yeah yeah and it has kind of i don't know I'm curious to see if it's still as beady as it was when right. we tried it, because it was pretty, um, yeah, like it tasted like a beet salad or something yeah. a little bit. <laughs> it was good, though. Yeah, it was funny because some people loved it, but the people that don't like beets are like, it tastes like beets. It tastes like dirt, right? That's mm-hmm. what people say. Yeah, I, I really do think it tastes a lot like beets. Yeah. But I like beets, so it's good. But yeah, it kind of tastes like 
a beet salad for yeah sure. right <laughs> <laughs> so that yeah so we're drinking that one uh and then we were just talking about the lager or not the lagered one i i called it lagered right um, we we thought cooler. it tasted smooth like a lager i think that's yeah. where i keep bringing that up but um, yeah and we have that one also yes so we can taste that too yeah. um yeah so with that one the um the drier one when we were tasting it we were thinking man this is a saison it it doesn't even taste like it because the all of the yeast flavor yeah. that you're kind of used to in terms of a saison where it's gone it was super mellow yeah it was very smooth yeah but it was, it was summer good. drinking or it is and you is. also yeah. dry hopped that one a lot too yeah yeah, so, we put three ounces of the pink boot tops in right. it. Right. So it was good. I mm -hmm. think we what we ended up doing was taking the one that was that was uh, fermented very high temperature and mixing it with yours mm -hmm. and even mis mixing the beet one in because yep. I know I was thinking, well, we don't necessarily have to have this strong beet flavor. We don't need this really dark beet you know, color. color. Mm -hmm. We can make it a light pink. We can put just a touch of beet and have a hint and it will go with the earthiness of the yeah. beer. This was my like my my mind just thinking you know my fantasy beer that I wanted mm -hmm. to make and uh, I think what happened was when we mixed them all together like that and you could barely taste the beet. People thought that it was kind of pointless. Yeah. Like if you're going to put the beet in you don't you want to taste it? Right. You kind of got lost mm -hmm. and you know, it's a lot of work for, and it's a lot of work a for a bit of that, right, just for the color. Yeah, yeah, and maybe then that's the, part of the it. downside of a lot. Of, you know, I mean, we probably had a third of the people in the room really say, "I'm not going to drink this because it's right. beets." And we're yeah, like, and we know, don't I mean, want. They did drink it, but <laughs> but you know, we definitely don't want that to happen where people say, "I'm yeah. not going to drink a beer because it has beets in it." You yeah, know? yeah, it's it's a little more controversial. Yeah. <laughs> Even though we could be like, "Hey, it has vitamins." Hey, you know. <laughs> 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 right on <laughs> the uh so the resulting beer was dry hopped yesterday okay. um it's a 10 barrel batch it we uh gosh we threw five pounds of hops in the whirlpool mm -hmm. um and then a small bittering load for about 10 ibus up front we threw uh 11 11 and a half pounds of hibiscus in the whirlpool right to get that color and then uh, sent it to the fermenter with yeast. It did a primary fermentation. And like I said yesterday, uh, the yeast was all removed and the hops went up top. And uh, it was about two pounds per barrel of the Pink Boots blend. Okay. Yeah. And so there it'll sit, last thing, uh, before it gets transferred over to the bright side and conditioned and carbonated and packaged, probably out to market in about two weeks. Sweet. Yay. I can't wait. I'm so excited. I'm I'm actually I want to get a little bit dive a little bit more into this too because this process is cool. I this is the first time I've ever collaborated at all, I think, on any of the beers. I think I've been just present, but I never really had as much say and I didn't get my hands I felt like when I showed up for the the brew day, I really got my hands on things. Mm -hmm. You know, I was lifting up 55-pound bags <laughs> of grain and trying to get them into the mill which is really difficult by the way <laughs> if you've never done it <laughs> i think probably brewers just think that's normal and it's just everyday life for them right it's my job yeah. <laughs> it's your job <laughs> i mean i don't know like i was actually asking some other people that brew and find out if do they do that because um your your assistant that was there emily yep she was doing the majority lifting the majority of those bags there was a full yeah. pallet of was it was it 
yeah, solstice it, malt or what was it? Uh, just no, barley. It wasn't solstice. Okay. Uh, we use uh, another pretty local guy um, called uh, Mountain Malt. Is the oh, product, okay. And it's okay. out of Idaho Falls. It's a wonderful barley. But the bags of barley. They're 55 pounds. <laughs> um, and then you're raising it, you know, four and a half, five feet up. So about your yeah. head high. Right. Uh, yeah. So if you can lift that over your head, cool. But the two of us, because I was helping her, were like walking up a little stepladder just very yeah. gingerly while we were balancing these very large bags of grain <laughs> in our arms <laughs> and then pushing them over into the mill. And I guess you had to be careful not to push it in there too fast. You can jam the mill. Yeah, that sucks. No yeah, fun. that's no fun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then we... Um, Oh, what was the what was else was in that mash? Because there was spelt in there, correct? We use spelt, yep. which is like a super wheat. Uh, right. It's a grain that's um, very weedy, very high in protein, um, a little, you know, weedy. By that I mean bready, um, smooth, uh, a little earthy. Um, and then we use some rye, rye malt. Yeah. Um, and that was for just to accentuate the spice notes from the yeast to just get a little hint. It was like, um, so we used probably about 750 pounds of grain and there was about, oh, I don't know, 18 pounds of rye, 35 pounds of spelt. Um, and then I think the rest was a mixture of two row and Pilsner. Yep. Yeah. So who was that like a collaboration too, or? The, yeah. Like coming up with them, the it was a collaboration was basically between I, Mike and I, between you and Mike. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I, I don't see a lot of are there a lot of saisons with rye? Yeah, there okay. are. Okay, um, it can go a lot of times, they'll use it like we do, just as kind of a light thing that you wouldn't really notice or pull out on its own, but we'll just kind of like a salt. Chefs will use a salt, so you use it to accentuate and give you some malt depth. Um, but uh, yeah, there's plenty of rye in saisons it's not an uncommon ingredient there in fact because of the nature of saisons being a farmhouse beer that's brewed by unprofessional farmers that are up there for the season they would traditionally use whatever they could get their hands on whatever was around mm -hmm. yeah yeah uh, literally the leftovers from the season saison mm -hmm. meaning being french for season and um and they would brew it they'd leave it there over winter and then return in the spring and they'd have nutrition vitamin b uh, all of the things that alcohol is good for besides intoxicant. And so <laughs> that was where the Saison was birthed. This edition of the Crafty Beer Girls podcast is being brought to you in part by Tater Tots, the official snack of the Crafty Beer Girls, and by Ramen Noodles, the official meal of drunk college students everywhere who spend all of their money on beer. And by the Utah Coalition for the Prevention of ADHD, who would like to remind you, Squirrel! And now, back to your Crafty Beer Girls podcast, with your hosts, Jenny Schaefer, and maybe, sometime, Lauren Lurch. With all these people involved in this collaboration, how do you guys feel like it went? Was there too many cooks in the kitchen, or is there an advantage to having so many people collaborating? No. <laughs> but it went really well. Okay. So yes. normally that might be a, a problem, right? Or could yeah, be. Yeah, potentially. It definitely could have been. <laughs> I brew 99% of the time alone. Yeah. So you've got not only somebody there, but like 10 people there. Right. And my biggest consideration is you're now 
kind of doing three things mm-hmm. instead of just brewing. You're you're brewing. You're also putting on a show because <laughs> a lot of the people want to see you brew and haven't right. been this close to an operation Ooh, yeah. right. and watch you kind of from very close. So there's that. And then third is you're training a team to brew on your system because as much as possible, I wanted to hand it off and right. let y'all excuse me, put your hands in it and get, yeah. d- get dirty, so to speak. So um, that was an exhausting day, but I really enjoyed myself. Um, it was an exhausting day. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. For us yeah, too. it was really fun. <laughs> For us, that those of us that weren't used to lifting the 55-pound bags, it was exhausting. <laughs> and all the running up and down the stairs right. on the brew house. Like, Mike does this thing where he slides down. He, like, goes up the stairs, but then he slides down because it's just faster. I got greasy palms, so He's I just slide down palm. four <laughs> stairs instead of taking the steps. But um, for some reason, I like got really fascinated by this, and I decided I wanted to, to learn how to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I did. Like by the yeah. end of that day, I had slid down a couple of times without putting my feet down on the stairs. It was, and I had a camera around my neck. <laughs> so. Well, and those stairs are steep, so yeah, you know. You can definitely hurt yourself pretty yeah. good. When but. I first tried it, I was like, whoa, how does he do that? That's crazy. <laughs> but he taught me. He took the time. and No, just kidding. <laughs> he gave me a couple of tips anyway. Yeah, we had fun. <laughs> yeah, it was so, so much fun. And the other thing that was that I thought was cool was that we were trained still, like on the day of the brew day, we were making some decisions about hops and what, how many of them we were going to use, what, where we were going to put them, whether they were going to be in – I guess we never – we're planning on doing anything in the boil. Oh, did we do any in the boil? We did. We did. That's where the hops that we were smelling. Yeah, the blend we made. And that went in, like, I guess maybe not that technically was the, the boil, wasn't it? but the whirlpool. It's okay. the same mm-hmm. vessel. We okay. turned off the flame and we right. started to spin things. So so nothing during the boil. Just Correct. Right it flame out. out in the whirlpool. And we did. We came up with a blend of hops that Mike had lying around. Yeah. At Salt Fire. No, <laughs> no. So to correct you really quick, we did throw in uh, enough hops at 60 minutes to create about 10 IBUs. Okay. And then we threw the rest in at Whirlpool. That was about five pounds of a blend we made. Um, what we did with that one is we had two boxes of the Pink Boots hop blend. That equated to 22 pounds. We wanted to dry hop it. And on my right. system, 22 pounds of dry hop is kind of the lower end of things before it starts to not become perceptible. And so we wanted to also have five or six pounds to play around with in the whirlpool. Right. And so what we did is we tried to mimic the pink boots blend with our own blend. And I think we did mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. I think it yep. turned out we, you had Laurel and yeah. uh, mosaic. Yeah. Wait, mosaic wasn't one of the ones though. I don't think, or was it? No, what I we thought it was using. galaxy. Oh, it was Galaxy that you had. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mosaic was what was in the blend. Yep. You had Galaxy, Laurel, and I think Citra? And Citra. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah, it was Citra. Citra. There was there th- three or four. Just three. There were three. Yeah. So we just came and up with the did. combination of those. And we all like right. got handfuls and smelled them and tried to put them together to see what we liked and what sm- seemed similar. Yep. And then yeah. we took different amounts of hot pellets and said, do we like this smell? Yep. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. And so we're like two of these and one of those and and three of these. And okay, do we like that that ratio? Okay, wait, maybe we we want a little bit more earthy toad to it. Yeah. So put a little bit more laurel in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was cool. And we were all taking turns looking at the looking in the uh, hydrometer 
Is that right? Refractometer. Oh my god. The refractometer, that's the thing that, the contraption that measures the gravity, correct? It measures the sugars. Oh, the sugars. So then that's indicative. But which is what the gravity is, correct? What the gravity will be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is the gravity also, right? It's called specific gravity. Okay. So now we're going to get science. Now we're going to get super nerdy, (laughs) which we can do on the show, by the way. Yeah. We have another, we have other nerds. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Becky's, Becky's a scientist. Warning, beer nerd alert. Scientific talk ahead. On some level. Yeah. I'm a geneticist. Oh, geneticist. Okay. (laughs) Molecular biologist. I I think that's probably the better term. (laughs) Play with DNA and proteins and cells and. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so I'm we really can get into microbes. Super. I think microbes are fun. <laughs> They're the best. How much have you brewed? Because this was a lot of homebrewers brewing, and as Mike kind of talked about, he's kind of training this whole crew to brew on his system. He's used to it. He's a professional brewer. We're not. We're we're all homebrewers, and I don't know. Have you? I know you guys did the one last year at Salt Fire. We did. So, what? How have you had other experience in any of the commercial settings? Uh, last year was the only it was the first commercial beer that we had ever done or that okay. I've, I've been part of and i ended up doing the recipe formulation for that beer also okay so the the grain bill at least what it was originally um came from something that i had designed and i would yeah. want a medal for it and so right. we were trying to decide you know what the recipe should be and i'm like well i have this kolsch recipe that won a medal in a homebrew competition maybe that one's good so yeah we went with that and then I worked with Patrick to kind of figure out what yeah. it should be we didn't really change it much from my original recipe because it was a very typical Kolsch recipe right but except for with lots of hops yeah lots of hops <laughs> <laughs> that was a little different yeah and yeah that <laughs> beer still lives on yeah salt fire so it's there's still, still fury Kolsch and it's changed a little bit but it's still a hoppy Kolsch. Yeah. Yeah. It's on. Yeah. It doesn't say hoppy Kolsch, but it is a hoppy Kolsch. Yeah. We wanted to <laughs> name it hoppy Kolsch, but we couldn't. <laughs> so I'm just curious how it was for you. I mean, cause I know for me, I don't, I actually haven't homebrewed that much. So I, I'm not, the whole brewing experience for me is still fairly, um, I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of mystery and stuff I don't understand. And I think being involved is, really helped me understand the process so much better. Um, and that's partly why I, I love doing it. I love to participate. I'd like to homebrew more if I had more time. But um, what do you think is, is it super different to, <laughs> I mean, obviously it is, but yeah. what did you notice? Anything in particular as far as uh, time, how takes, long it takes? Everything takes so much longer than, cause, I mean, we're talking about mashing in and that was a half an hour. I'm like, what? <laughs> Do you just put water in there? And, yeah. you know, but the difference is, is you have so much more stuff. So, yeah. And you have, you know, a lot more water and a lot more, um, hello, uh, a lot more grain. So right. it takes forever, a lot longer that, you know, to get five pounds of grain wet than it does. What, right. It, 250 pounds. Oh no! It's like closer to seven hundred. Seven hundred pounds. Know, seven, yeah, seven hundred. Yeah. Seven hundred pounds versus <laughs> versus <laughs> about twenty ga- pounds. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's so it's it just takes. A, it's so like I a think all day. the time, you know, and yeah. So in transferring, you know, transferring the 
the war when when we were finished um we actually left and then mike basically stayed for another two hours while it's transferring and then he has to right and everything transferring to the fermentation tank mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and so those were like the two biggest things i've noticed that are different otherwise the processes themselves are pretty similar so hi lauren's here <laughs> lauren's here <laughs> We we should drink some of the one that one. Is yeah. that the one that you Yeah. So let's drink some of that one. This is the Cezanne um experiment with where it was dry hopped at a low temperature, so right. between sixty and sixty five. And then did I say dry hopped, fermented? I meant to say fermented. So it was fermented. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say anything. Right. I didn't even catch it. It's funny because you're like, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, of course. Confused really quick. Uh, uh, so it was fermented at a at a lower temperature between 60 and 65, and then it was dry hopped with more dry hops than pretty much everybody else. So it was like, three ounces. Like we dry hopped the dry shit hops. out of that thing, man. Yeah, <laughs> that was the point. Yeah, yeah. To, I mean, for <laughs> at least for me, um, because it was basically it started with a big pink blutes blend. I really wanted to make sure that we taste it and smell it. You gotta and, taste it. And I'm a big hop head, and a lot of us are. Yeah. And so. You know, I always kind of think, I'm like, man, the smell of hops should be a perfume because that, <laughs> then you could totally get the I guys. Know. Isn't know? that like, what we were saying? That's how you get them, right? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's how you find a craft brew, guys. Like, mm, with shit your... reeks like beer. Yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> Give me some of that one. Right? I mean, just like the... The take smells. a tall pint of that one. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take I a tall pint of her. Be inside of it. Yeah. I think there's other ways to get those men. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. I usually just spill beer on myself. Yeah, that works. Works. <laughs> that's a, that's like the low budget version. I don't know if strategies DIY. needed at all. <laughs> so Lauren is back from her wild adventures in Wisconsin in the Midwest. I don't know if she was just in Wisconsin, but. She had some wild All adventures, over. and she's so back. Wild. Indeed, I am. <laughs> Yay! American Winterfell. Welcome <laughs> back. <laughs> is that what that is? <laughs> the Winterfell of America. If you've been there, it feels appropriate. <laughs> so I think the uh, the eventual version that we ended up with was kind of in between this one and the other one. We maybe already t- covered this, but yeah. So what what we ended up going with is we were dry hopping it, but fermenting it. So dry hopping quite a bit as much as basically we took the whole 22 pounds right. that we had left that we had left and then um but then we wanted more yeast flavor. Yeah. Because we didn't want like this beer doesn't really have much much saison yeast flavor right. to it because yeah, this it was fermented one. so low. So we wanted to ferment it in in the 70s. It was um plan. Yeah, is that what is that what happened, Mike? Kind of. Indeed. Um, <laughs> it had a wide range, so I just got oh, really? new, two new tanks in. They're not hooked up to glycol. Okay. Um, this is because Saltfire is going to do an expansion here in a few weeks. So my challenge was how to fit a bunch of – then you get into practical considerations that aren't at all fun. They're just part of the job. So you, how do you pack beer in and do all these things um, as fast as you can, as efficient as you can – so that you can break down and time things and get plumbers coordinated and big construction projects. So the choice we ended up doing is we actually sent it into a fermenter without glycol in there. Now that's something that could be traditional. Okay, uh, yeah. The Belgians yep. will often not use their glycol. Right. Mm-hmm. But because we didn't want it to get too hot, we didn't want to ferment too fast, we wanted to have some kind of control, mm-hmm. the 
the only thing we could do and what we decided to do was to send it in cold. So it went in like 59 oh, right. degrees or so. Mm -hmm. And with that much volume, you got 330 gallons. It takes days it took, to take warm up. a while mm -hmm. to so warm up. Yeah. I would say fermentation started in the low 60s and ended in the maybe 73, 75 okay. range. Yeah. So it was pretty low. Pretty low for a saison. As best we could, we tried to hit that mark and put that mark in the middle of the fermentation. Right. Yep. So that's what ended up happening. So I'm super curious about this yeast because uh, I was hearing a lot of feedback how like voracious it was and it just yeah. worked really like well and fast, right? Because I don't saisons usually take a little time. There's, there's two. The traditional saison yeast was Dupont strain. Is that okay. was the big commercial version that it was found in? It's usually booked as like a Belgian saison strain these days. Um, it has a totally different flavor profile. And then it's notorious for being hard to work with. It will eat like 80% of the sugars and right. then it'll stop. Yeah. And you can have all sorts of challenges to get it to finish up. Um, and so we didn't use that. We didn't mm -hmm. use this yeast because I'm making the decisions. No, uh, well, because I know you said you like, so you, <laughs> well, you're like a yeah, big I fan of this really French Saison yeast. It, yeah. And I was trying yeah. to understand that because... Mm -hmm. Is it because of that, or is there more to it? it? Is it the flavor, too? The the real answer is that I like the flavor more. Mm -hmm. The second answer that's really, really helpful, especially in a commercial world, is that it's a workhorse, right? Um, as you were getting around to. And so as I was a home brewer many years ago, um, <laughs> I had started using it already. I remember in Texas having a heater on my home brew in Texas to try to get the beer up to 95 degrees in summer. Uh, my house was AC'd and I had a room that was heated mm -hmm. to get that beer to finish and it finished, but that was just a silly experiment and I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I switched over to French Saison yeast at that point and I never went back. Yeah. I don't think I ever did a fermentation after that with Belgian yeast. Once you go French, you never go back. You get that, <laughs> you get the banana, you get yeah. the, the pepper, <laughs> the lemon peel. I really enjoyed the flavor and it's... Yeah. It's like it's a Hefeweizen so yeast. Yeah. yeah. So we had it's some really good crazy. stories about people taking it home and fermenting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Becky was saying how she was Yeah, mine concerned. went crazy. <laughs> Even yeah. though it was a low temperature. Well, because I brought it home and usually, you know, in the first couple hours, you don't have to worry about it. And so I brought it home and had things to do and I hadn't set my fermenter yet and I hadn't set it up in a while because it had been the winter. And yeah. So then, I don't know. Within like three or four hours, I'm looking at it and it's just going, ah. <laughs> like crazy. Oh no, what do I do? I'm like, I need to cool it down. <laughs> and so then I like put it in my fermenter and then the next day I look at it still going, ah. <laughs> like, what is going on? Like, turn it down. And it's still at 60 degrees. I'm like, what is going on? This is crazy. And I mean, four days later, it's still doing that. And so. I don't know. It was crazy. And I mean, I guess because it basically just eats all the sugar. So yeah, it's like super hungry and yeah. <laughs> going after well, it. Yeah. And then the yeast cake was maybe two inches. And usually the yeast cake at the <laughs> bottom of my fermenter is about an inch or so. And yeah, I mean, maybe it was even three. I should have taken a picture of it. it Did they like have babies and stuff? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like multiply yeah. a whole bunch? Oh, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. 
Yeah. Awesome. This edition of the Crafty Beer Girls podcast is being made possible through the generosity of the Mountain West Hard Cider Company. With special thanks to Mountain West's husband and wife team and owner-operators, Jennifer and Jeff Carlton, for allowing the Crafty Beer Girls recording space in their conference room at their corporate office. Be sure to follow and support Mountain West Hard Cider and their award-winning artisan libations on social media. Visit their website at mountainwestcider.com or... Check out their tap house and try some of their delicious ciders for yourself at 425 North, 400 West in Salt Lake City. And now, back to your Crafty Beer Girls podcast. So was, what, are, why not? what are we getting in this beer I right was, now since we're drinking it? Yeah, okay. Um, I mean, So yeah, I mean, when we're looking at the color, it's not really very pink, but it's definitely kind of yeah, rose gold. I, if you're is gonna, it? Okay. Because that's the thing. Like, I guess it's really very faint. This, this is the beer that yeah. we've made, the Sassan de Femme, has a pretty good pink color it looks like from yeah. what the i can final tell the product's going to be pretty close to the beat wake i mean really like that magenta color you think or something like this saison with blood cur- uh, with a black currant it's yeah. going to be like unabashedly pink it almost is. artificially yeah. pink really from the hibiscus yeah is it going to taste hibiscus are we going to taste a lot of that before i dropped i got the smallest hint of hibiscus really? in the aroma and i would imagine the drop's going to take all that away okay mm-hmm. i wonder if the si- if the yeast the saison yeast kind of cancels it out because the one that uh, we brewed with pink boots had a fr- pretty good amount of hibiscus flavor i thought and it wasn't like super pink was it i'm asking lauren because she was there I think it was pretty pink yeah I, I think it was more pink than we intended it was more yeah and it had more hibiscus flavor than we intended yeah but so i was thinking i think, I think ours is coming in right around that level of pink from what okay. i remember that uh the ipa being this year yeah really close but this is a high point beer too so that was the other the other difference between this beer and the beer that the pink boots chapter made is that ours is high point and it's going to be what six or seven last thing i remember here uh but yeah between six and seven i think it's six point three yeah so not four not a draft beer like we we are used to here but But not a double or anything not a double yeah it'll still be a summer beer yeah it's sure. afternoon drinking yeah, yeah. great american saison it's <laughs> really refreshing really effervescent it's pink yeah it's dry hopped not it's heavily and not aggressively but enough to notice it's just a really nuanced excellent beer i'm really proud yeah. to have been a part of it how do you think it like kind of fits into that whole line because uh salt fire has a line of we as we talked about earlier of saisons right that are seasonal they're seasonal and they're all herbed or or fruited or something um so they're yeah there's always an adjunct involved um Mm -hmm. so this falls into that line but is also distinct enough okay where i think it's going to be well received yeah yay yeah i'm so excited yeah it's funny it kind of worked out that you know we're making a beer that you already have yeast going and that it kind of worked out with your production yeah. cycle. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing, because you were able to use that same yeast that you use right. with your other saisons yeah. and kind of just... Yeah. There's a lot of practical considerations that go into running a commercial spot well, yeah. that oh, you yeah. don't mm-hmm. think about as a home exactly. brewer. Yep. And I remember like something I always like to do if you're talking to another professional about a collab, I'll always be like, well, let's do a lager. Knowing that they're like, dude, I can't do that because it's it's a nice funny joke to get out of the way up front. They're like, let me just tie up your tanks for like triple the amount of time that you were right. thinking. Yeah, and yeah. the answer is always no, but yeah. it's so much fun just to throw that out there. Yeah, what and if so, they say yes, yeah. you yeah. have to ask. Then it's then you get to do a logger, and it's amazing. Yes. There's a couple people in town right. I'd love to work that with, but you uh-huh. you always just kind of know. All right, it's probably going to be an ale and. 
you know, how do we not step on people's toes and yeah. make sure they can run through their production? Because um, a lot of times you can walk into breweries that are even big and you think, well, they got it made. They're set. This, I mean, how could a place this big not have be rolling in money? Mm-hmm. And the truth <laughs> is often that the margins are stay yeah. thin as big as you go and so even yeah. the big guys and maybe even more so the big guys have to stress out about staying on schedule and yep. doing all those and the stakes are high so if right. you on my scale it's a 10 barrel which equates to 330 gallons but on a system like Lauren's that's more than tenfold so Over you went to her choices yeah. carry a lot more weight than right. my choices or a typical homebrewer's. Mm-hmm. Yeah absolutely yeah, yeah if a homebrewer yeah. I guess you can just be like eh I guess that didn't work out and not feel too bad about did you ever dump a beer no you didn't like it no uh the worst Just beer i it. ever had was my um <laughs> spruce tip ale that <laughs> so i was snowboarding in july in something Little becky Cotton does canyon <laughs> and at the end of the snowboarding we were hiking back down grizzly gulch and we're like oh look Spruce tips. Spruce tips. And so <laughs> we just collected a lot of them. And oh, my I never gosh. really weighed them out or anything, but I made a Christmas beer, which <laughs> it's kind of a brown ale base um, with a whole bunch of spices and chestnuts and spruce tips. And so I put the spruce tips in, I think, five minutes before the end of the boil. And <laughs> I don't know. I probably did about a pound, but like. I mean, it's kind of a lot for five gallons. And I made it in August and um, drank it for Christmas. And at Christmas, <laughs> it tasted like licking a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Yummy. Yeah. So then I'm like, I'm not drinking this. And you don't like to lick trees? And, well, you know, I mean, I, mean, I like seem, hugging trees. You but seem maybe to not really like the mountains. Them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then I aged it until August. And then it was like, okay. Yeah. And I had some friends who were like, this is the best beer you've ever made. Give oh. me more. And so I just kept tr- giving it to them. Those people like to lick trees. Yeah, I think yeah. they do. I mean, you associate but it with tree lickers. lasted till the next Christmas. And <laughs> that probably would have made it. Yeah. It was pro- it'd probably be, been good, you know, a year and a half later. But <laughs> And now I'm too afraid to make another spruce tip one. And, and I have a... Um, some pine trees in my house and every time I see them I'm like oh I should make another one no I think I need maybe two more years before I make that beer again because I just think about it like no licking trees (laughs) but you know you don't dump it you never dump it because you don't know I mean unless it's like super infected in a bad way right I mean I don't know well I'm a biologist so I'm trained in aseptic technique and so that's something that I um, I think like really helps for me being a homebrewer where I never really had anything be infected or, you know, I mean, I've had beers that didn't taste like what I wanted to. I mean, that happens all the time, but I've never had a beer where like, oh, this is so bad. I can't drink it. Yeah. Um, Cause I really think most of it has to do with being sterile and just as long as you have clean equipment right. and you have some kind of good, um, aseptic technique I know yeah it's kind of well yeah that's terms, the biggest thing is yeah. just being clean and mm-hmm. and yeah i think in the homebrew or not the homebrew the, com- the commercial setting it's pretty like you guys have that shit da- dialed down 
and we have the aid of pumps and yeah. face off chemicals and right. all sorts of awesome equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like one of the Hot fun water. things was <laughs> brew day was everybody got to take a turn cleaning out the mash tun with the little like rake. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That was like was kind really of a good hard. hands on. And then <laughs> yeah, really cool. we're we're well yeah, I know Lauren does that does that that's, every day. But uh, <laughs> how many pounds of grain to... on a typical batch? Uh, between four and ten thousand wow good god so yeah. wait <laughs> but i don't have to rake it out it's not okay so no, that's it's so lauren's brewing she on a looks different like scale Popeye, y'all. yeah <laughs> you, you can imagine her arms are the size of our thighs yeah, yeah. exactly i wondered yeah. why now i know no we've <laughs> got kidding. this big boom arm in the back though that's like <laughs> kind of tied down by ropes over this long we call it our spent grain trailer and it just kind of like spews out spent grain and we have to kind of aim it. And every now and then it doesn't aim very well. So mm-hmm. then, yeah. Then well, that was the hard out. thing about cleaning out the mash tun, I think, was Becky was trying to spray the last little bit out. We mm-hmm. were trying to get that last bit of the, the grain out. And it was tricky. Like we finally yeah. just handed it over to Mike because he's <laughs> he's like, all right, it's taking too long. Well, well it seems so easy, we right? Were, like make, you would think. Make grain go spray left. it yeah yeah you know, go left you would make no. a pile and then you try to make it go to the left <laughs> and then it would go everywhere oh it God. ends up being like a really stressful game of twister because you're yeah. you're putting your body in this in, in this mash tun that has a rake in it and then you're trying to move the rake while you're not right. in it and access different parts and spray it move your arm and then your arm's tired because it's been holding up this gun for five minutes <laughs> and so it the first time I did it at every new system, you're learning it. The first time probably takes you 25 minutes and then it's 20 minutes. And now I've got it down to seven minutes, but it mm-hmm. takes you uh, many brews to, to figure out there. that pound of grain. If I spray it right here, then I can get it with the shovel and all those little tips and tricks that you just, you figure out having to do this, having to do this every day. Yeah. 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 Well, the funny part about that too, is that I'm looking at him doing and doing it and I'm going, you know, that's something I can do. I can spray a hose. And he kind of looks at me like, mm, maybe, like, are you sure? And I'm not thinking that's a problem. I'm thinking, oh, it's spraying a hose. How hard is it? Yeah. And then he's like, go ahead. And then <laughs> he gives me like four or five minutes and comes back and says, can I help you? Or here's a few here's a few tips. And yeah. I'm like, okay, try the tips. I'm like, oh, this is way harder. And then eventually I'm just it's, like, okay, I can't. I can't. It's I, a good window into what goes into professional brewing at least for those of us who don't do it lauren knows but you know even just like what was really impressive to me was trying to come to the correct temperature we were trying to get the right gravity um starting gravity i guess and we checked Mm -hmm. it quite a few times and it was really like a matter of gosh knowing your system i think knowing what it took to get that exact gravity that you want and you have to do that you have to nail that right yeah that's a that's one of the points there's a few points in the brewing uh and every system's a little different but that's probably a process once your gravity's set in the kettle there's very few things you can do to change it um and then you're locked in gravity for those that don't know gravity uh, equates to sugars and the reason you measure sugar is it's an indicator of where your alcohol will be right and so um, especially with a place like Utah they're so mm-hmm. strict here that you um, your label is usually printed ahead of time it says 6.3 percent and so you really try to make sure your measurements result in a beer that's 6.3 percent yeah um, and so that's one of those points where you have to be very focused and very on it and there's very little room for mistakes absolutely yeah so we just opened a beer 
it's another one of the saisons. It's the brand new one. It just came out uh, t- this, this yesterday. Yeah. I think it's it's at Saltfire. It's the summer version of the saison, and it's got ginger and lemon peel, I believe. And we actually got to taste this out of the bright tank when we were there brewing, which is kind of fun. Yeah, that was fun. It's always fun to get the super fresh. Mm-hmm version of it we were also saying that there was going to be another version of it you just brewed it again right yeah just brewed um the second batch of this and the last batch for the year most likely um it will be a little ginger more ginger forward and a yeah. little more dry okay because um, yeah this is that, slightly similar. sweet yep. perhaps it Still doesn't the style have, but just yeah like 0.2 0.3 play-doh right uh less dry than i would want it to be well I'm excited for the new beer. I did want to mention the fact that I helped name the beer. Yeah. <laughs> which was kind of funny. Yeah. Because Jenny I had good names. I like we talked about this in the meeting. Oh, we okay, we're coming up with this beer and we gotta find a name for it. And my brain started going and I couldn't stop it. It was just like spewing out names and I started I think I was emailing Becky mm-hmm. my ideas. Well, and they, <laughs> Which it, was they kind just of funny. kept going, and I was like, "Oh, I like that one. Oh, I like that Ooh, one. I like that yeah. one." I was like, like thinking of them in my dreams. Which happens. Lauren knows. Like, I don't know. We when we how would I know that? Because <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just think. I think she, she just knows. <laughs> she just knows. She just knows how I get. Like once I get on turned on to something. Like when we first started Crafty it's Beer usually Girls, usually Mormon related, and yeah. I have to like tell her to just yeah coming shut up with up. Mormon related like no, names no. and blog post ideas and all that stuff anyway but (laughs) I yeah I started thinking of stuff and I started I I Mm -hmm. don't even remember what half of them were but we went with Saison de Femme and I think I thought you know it would be cool because it would go in with the Saison de Trezon it would be a Mm -hmm. the the title would kind of go along with that but it means season of woman that's what Saison de Femme means so I thought that was kind of cool and I don't know who actually decided because I just threw a bunch of stuff out there and somebody decided what it was. <laughs> I think a lot of we brought it down to maybe three. Yeah. And then I think Ryan actually decided. Yeah. Like, I end. like that one. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the one. That one's good. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was between uh, the plural, plural form. Oh, yeah. And the singular because form. Because it was going to be Saison de Femme with a D-E-S and an F-E-M-M-E. E-S. Uh-huh. And I was I know I was worried a little bit about that people knowing how to pronounce it because mm-hmm. it's French and they don't pronounce things like we do. <laughs> it's like saison des femmes. <laughs> no. Not no. that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad that we did that. I mean, it's fine. It it translates okay, I think. It's not like yeah. that doesn't make sense. Oh, and you guys had the label uh-huh. at at the brew day and yep. I did, I kind of missed out on that, but it was it looked like it's tie-dye. Is that right? Yeah, yeah very reminiscent of tie-dye. Uh, rainbowy, yeah. metallic, kind of shiny. Yeah. Pinks, blues, fuchsias. Yeah. Is that so? Th- that just like the designer comes up with that. You guys have a designer, and you're just like, oh, this will be good. Yeah. Or, I believe yeah, pretty much. It's a collaboration between the designer and Ryan. Okay. Um, I'm gladly not part of that. <laughs> with the beer and the gravities yeah. and the pHs mm-hmm. and that. So that's not a process that I'm usually part of. Um, but um, if anybody's familiar with the brand, it's a pretty recognizable uh, label and text. And then usually the backgrounds and the colors are what changes. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, I, yeah. I love the Saltfire labels. I think they're always really cool. Yeah. Those that are interested, be on the lookout. Uh, late July, early August um, in Saltfire and everywhere. It's it's 
carried. And then if you want more information, probably your best bet is to go on the website and try to sign up for a mailing list that gets you early releases and all sorts of info like that. They give you passwords and you can go get an early release the the day before it comes out. It's pretty fun. I think we're just screwing with our bartenders. Last time it was last time it was just clap. Just come in. You just come in and start clapping. And that was the password. Yeah, I like that. I was like, that's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. This has been another edition of the Crafty Beer Girls Podcast, a feature presentation of Millin' Around Studios. The Crafty Beer Girls Podcast is executive produced and edited by Mike the Janitor Millen and hosted by Jenny Schaefer and Lauren Lurch. For more information about the Crafty Beer Girls, visit their blog at craftybeergirls.com and follow them on social media platforms like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. To be a part of future episodes of this podcast or to address your questions, comments, or concerns, please write to Crafty Beer Girls Blog at gmail.com. Special thanks to Mike Damowski of Saltfire Brewing and to Becky Peterson of the Hop Bombshells for their participation in this episode. Saison de Femme is available now for a limited time at Saltfire Brewing, located at 2199 Southwest Temple, and where fine Utah craft beers are sold. For additional information, check out their website at saltfirebrewing.com. Be sure to join the Crafty Beer Girls as they continue their conversation with Mike Damowski as he discusses a new venture with Saltfire Brewing, a craft soda company called Taproot Soda. They also continue to talk to Becky Peterson and discuss her involvement and history in Utah's all-female home brew club, The Hop Bombshells. Again, that's next time on the Crafty Beer Girls Podcast. Additional thanks and gratitude to the staff and management of Mountain West Hard Cider for letting the Crafty Beer Girls utilize their corporate office conference room for the recording of this and subsequent podcasts. Get more information about Mountain West Hard Cider by visiting them online at mountainwestcider.com or visit their bottle shop and tap room at 425 North, 400 West in the Marmalade District of Salt Lake City. And as always, please drink responsibly. If you're too intoxicated to drive, take a cab, use a ride share, or call a friend. Thanks for listening. All drinks have been lowered by order of the management. They are now on the bottom shelf.